Welcome to Ghoul's Questions podcast from Corvin Networks, created for global corporate venturing. For more information, please visit www.corvin.com. Hello, so today for Ghoul's Questions time, I'm being joined by uh, John Haig, who is Vice President for Open Innovation in R&D at Unilever. Hi, John. Hi, Andrew. Hi. John, can you kick us off by giving us a brief introduction to yourself and your role within Unilever, please? Yeah, yeah. So, as you know, I'm Vice President of Open Innovation for Unilever, but based in R&D in Port Sunlight. I've worked for Unilever for 22 years now, and I've been leading the Open Innovation Group for just over three years. So, the remit of that group is to inspire, drive, cajole more and more of our program to, to drive innovation through partnership. My background is R&D all the way through my career. Uh, I've worked in Unilever in several different continents. For example, I worked there in Jakarta uh, and, and also in the USA. So, and, and I've worked in many different categories along the way. Good, good. So can you give us some insights into some of the key strategic changes that um, your role is now supporting within Unilever? You're driving costs down and driving innovational products in there. Yeah, so Unilever's changed dramatically in the past seven years. So we've moved from a highly multi-local organization with many individual operating companies and, and actually uh, uh, most people remember us as having a dual CEO structure. So now a single global organization with four big global business units, home care, personal care, foods and refreshments. So that's a dramatic shift to, to where we were seven or eight years ago. Uh, and as we've driven this transformation, we've mo- looked to move to excellence in how the innovation machine in Unilever operates. So we've been driving this mantra of bigger, better, faster innovation for a few years now. And what we've found, of course, is that acquiring new technology through partnership has been a key element of this. And so we've built and reinforced a a number of major partnerships with suppliers, universities, small to medium-sized enterprises, and even individual entrepreneurs along the way. So it's it's working, I think. Uh, Our three- to five-year pipeline, uh, which is the the sort of, uh, if you like, the Discover pipeline onwards, has increased in the value-enabled via partnership from about 40% in 2009 to to just over 60% Mm -hmm. in 2011. And we will probably drive that a little bit further in the coming years, but it's about where we want it to be. So uh, along with this, we've created a, a new business unit to establish a new mechanism to access business opportunities around our current core set of categories. Uh, that's chaired by our chief R&D officer, but it's got the CEO as the key decision maker so mm-hmm. that we're, we're able to manage risk at a corporate level in the new business unit. And then f- finally, the sustainable living plan uh, that's been launched in 2010 has, has required that we think about how and where we partner to halve our environmental impact while improving the livelihoods of everyone who comes into contact with Unilever, from our consumers all the way through to, to smallholder farmers. Yeah, so that's a big driver, that's sustainability, um, key key for Unilever, of course. Another, another one is, is your changing health and wellness sort of environment, which is, which again, is another core area for, for Unilever. How do you sort of see open innovation being uh, used in, in that area and what perspectives you've got in this health and wellness thing? Yeah, so, I mean, first, it's, let me give you our take on health and wellness as we've captured it in the sustainable living plan so, and, and a few of the targets that we've we set ourselves. I mean, clearly, we're not a pharma company, but I think we recognize we have a responsibility to the, the planet that, and, and to the, the consumers who use our products to ensure that um, we're doing what we can to, uh, to improve their health and wellness and livelihoods. So we've made public in the sustainable living plan that will help more than a billion people to take action to improve their health and well-being. 
uh, and, and some specifics I, I can give you here. So first, uh, help a, a billion people improve their hygiene habits through promoting hand washing and other hygiene interventions, so such as frequent brushing of teeth. So you can immediately see some of the some of the partnerships there um, uh, around promotion of, of um, behaviour, the right sort of brushing and hand washing behaviour through non-governmental organisations that are very important to us. But also product innovations that enable easier use of, uh, for example, toothbrushes, indicator toothbrushes. There, the sorts oh, right, of things yeah. that, that become possible and uh, become things we could do with partners. So, making safe drinking water available to 500 million people by 2020 with expanding our Purit brand and technology. So this is a, 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 a filter device that's as safe as, as bottled water, but without the hassle and cost of boiling. And, and he's actually the lowest cost clean water on, on the planet, we think. Oh, right. uh -huh. uh, and uh, we're always looking for partnerships there to, to uh, incorporate technologies for, for water purification um, and, and have a, an active program in that, that sphere. Improving heart health by motivating, motivating 100 million people to take our heart age test. So this supports the Flora brand. Uh, and we just think that if people will actually take the heart age test, then they may be motivated to do something about their, their lifestyles to improve heart health. Um, mm -hmm. Help hundreds of millions of people to achieve a healthier diet as we reduce saturated fat, salt, trans fat, sugar, calories while working to improve the taste of our foods. And you can see that's quite a, a big challenge because all of those things that I've just described are the things that yep. make food taste good. So there is an enormous breadth of partnership needed to, to deliver that target and we, we work with a lot of major strategic partners in, in, in some major programs to, uh, to enable us to, to improve the, the healthiness of food while not diminishing the pleasure or the enjoyment. Mm. And, and then finally there's a, a whole block about using our consumer prowess to enable behaviour change. Uh, we, we've got a program called the Unilever Five Levers for Change program. So make yeah. it understood, make it easy, yeah. make it desirable make it rewarding and make it a habit and uh, you know the most effective marketing campaigns uh, apply all the levers in some way uh, but to execute any program like that you require a very deep understanding of what people actually do uh, and, and therefore we, we have to be very very intimate with consumers and, and our partners have to be intimate with consumers also. Yeah and the, um, the, the online material and the, the leaflets I've seen in those areas um, some good insights there on, on how you were know doing that. That's good. So, um, open innovation, supporting your entry into new and emerging markets, the growth for Unilever is, 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 isn't big in the, uh, in the developing countries. What, what sort of areas of open innovation working specifically in those areas? Yeah, I, I think for, first of all, you've got to realise that already Unilever's existing business is, is 50% in emerging yeah, growth yeah. markets. Uh, uh, and so our our existing business infrastructure uh, is absolutely you know well placed to enable us to to, to grow. And uh, if we double the the size of our business as we intend, uh, the percentage that will be in de developing and emerging markets is going to be more like 75%. So exp yeah. expansion of our existing businesses will enable most of the growth we need. Uh, but this said, we we're using the new businesses unit to to enable the creation of future markets in some very specific cases. So, for example, we've a multi-partner initiative in South Africa to enable the creation of a business in solar water heaters uh, to be installed in homes which currently don't have hot water. So why would Unilever get involved in such a thing? Well, what we find is that when people have got hot water installed in their homes, um, it drives penetration of the things that we sell, soap, shampoo, laundry detergent. Uh, so yeah. people start to use the products that, that we sell. So it's, it's an enabler. It's a market development move. 
But because it's solar water heating, it means that we do it without increasing the greenhouse gas burden from, from heating of, of water, which is a, a, a key element of our carbon footprint. Um, and once we've generated the community that we're installing these water heaters into, they've become a channel for us to promote products and, and to, to sell into. So uh, it's quite an interesting initiative to, to both drive, drive the creation of a sustainable marketplace for, uh, for our products and also be at the forefront of marketing in, into that community. Um, I'll give you another example. We've, we've got an urban sanitation business in Ghana just started. Uh, that's installing specially designed toilets into people's homes. Now, this doesn't rely on the, uh, any existing sewage network or infrastructure. There just isn't any. Uh, so our, our hope is that in installing these toilets, we, we can get people to avoid having to the embarrassment and the, the lack of dignity of open defeciation uh, and, and, and allow them to use toilets in their homes. What we need to do, therefore, is provide a service model that um, collects the waste. Um, uh, once we've got that sort of collection model in, in place, um, then once again it becomes a channel in which we, A, we've created a, a whole new set of toilets that need cleaning, and, and B, we've got a, people visiting homes regularly to, to service the toilets who can become salesmen for our products also. So that's a very interesting experiment in market development in, in sanitation. Um, yeah. So that's two, two good examples, uh, but, but I reiterate, uh, most of what we'll do to grow in developing and emerging markets is going to be through our, our existing operating companies. All right, great. Those, no, those are good, good examples. And I think it also illustrates the, the important thing we see in other organizations. It's about thinking about business models in a different way rather than just putting products on the, on the shelf and that as uh, well. Absolutely. for the partners. Absolutely right, yeah. Yeah, good. All right, John, thanks so much for the insights on that. What, what do you do to relax when you're not uh, – it sounds like you've probably got quite a bit of travel and quite a lot of involvement with other, other organizations. What do you do to relax uh, for hobbies and family? Yeah, so uh, you're, you're right. I do spend a lot of the time on the road or traveling down to London. But I, I live in uh, the northwest of England, a place called uh, the Wirral, uh, and it's actually a beautiful little place. Um, so it's a peninsula between two major rivers. So it's got lots of opportunities for coastal walks and, and hill walking. So most weekends I'm out with a dog on one of the hills or one of the coastal paths. Uh, and, and then I play cricket and tennis. I've been playing cricket for many years on and off. And my son's just persuaded me that it's time to, to take the, the sport exactly. up again. So uh, doing plenty, of, uh, plenty of, of things that take the mind off the, the day job, I, I think, at the weekends. Uh, and we, ha we happen to live next door to a, a guy who owns two restaurants, so we, we do end up eating in his restaurants pretty often also. Oh, boy. So, yeah. <laughs> Good. John, thanks so much for giving us the insights today on um, open innovation and that within you, Monument. No, it's my pleasure.